0: And we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 319, aka year seven, week 17, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And as you know, we have moved to Clubhouse. So if you are joining us on Clubhouse, thank you. Um, if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, follow us on Clubhouse, or at least follow me on Clubhouse. We don't have a club yet, still working on that. Um, at riches for rich r-i-c-h-e-s the number four and then rich so follow me on Clubhouse if you have access to that uh y- you'll get you know you'll get notifications i guess when i start the show or start the room um and then you can join in and participate in the show that way uh aside from that uh ks you you have a friend in uganda who got black bagged by the government there well uh,
1: uh, some friends who were telling me about uh I mean, there's an organization. It's called the, uh, uh, um, let's see, um, well, it's a a liberty organization, a group of young people who are trying to promote free market ideas in their country. And one of their members uh, about a a month ago posted some critical remarks on social media, uh, critical of the government. And, you know, in the government, they recently had a, an election and, and basically uh, shut down all the opposition, and now they've got this <clears throat> uh, so-called president who's been re-elected for decades, uh, who is... Uh, Quote-unquote
0: re-elected.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's just continues his power, and he's got secret police everywhere who informs when, when people are critical of him. And so this one kid... Uh, you know well I say kid he's probably I don't know 23 24 uh, he was just uh, arrested and and disappeared and they don't know where he is or what's become of him and they said uh, they apparently told his family don't make any noise or you'll never you you will never see him again so the family's not talking anymore but a lot of other friends of his are, are trying to raise exposure to it and there's it's not that that we can do anything about it with the clubhouse meeting right now. But anyway, it's, it's worth just reminding ourselves of how fragile freedom of speech is. I mean, we, we take it for granted that we can speak as pretty, but you know, freely uh, on our mind right now on this venue.
0: Yeah. Is it Prince Andrew or Prince Harry or which of, which one of those uh, dudes that just moved here with the, to Meghan Markle, you know, I don't remember which yeah, I think one. It's it is. Harry. Harry. Okay. Harry. Yeah. He was. You know, th- they asked him a question about. You know. Oh, how's it like being in America? This is like recently in the news. Um, and he brought up something about the First Amendment, and he said it was like it's just bonkers. Like I don't know how they, you guys can have that thing. It just, you know. And I think this, <laughs> his quote was basically totally like true. he doesn't understand it, and it's just bonkers to him. Um, but I bring that up only to support your 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 uh, story there, Ken uh, Ks. Um, about how bad it could be elsewhere if things like that aren't protected as they are here.
1: Well, what did he mean when it was bonkers? I mean, he he thinks that it it isn't uh, in effect here, or that it is different in England because actually in England they've got pretty good free freedom of speech too. So um, I think
0: the I think the what he was referring to specifically with that quote is the fact that Americans are allowed to say whatever we want without, um, criminal repercussions, right? Like you can say whatever you want about the vaccine, about COVID, you know, about whatever is going on, uh, else going on in the world. And you may face some social, social pressures for those comments, but it's not outright illegal, um, to make those false claims about the vaccine. If it, you know, if you believe differently than the official narrative. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And he goes like, well, that's just bonkers. You know, you, you have influencers, right? This is not his quote. This is just me extrapolating yeah. upon. It's just bonkers. Right. You have influencers saying all sorts of things like the, you know, the anti-vaccine crowd, the, you know, the, the people who aren't going with the, uh, with the CDC recommendations and are speaking out against it. And, and you Americans, you just allow this, you know, you, you will, al- you allow this anti, you know, anti-establishment propaganda. Um, and, I th- and that's the way I understood um, his, his critique of the First Amendment. Isn't it
1: interesting that he decided to move here <laughs> from England?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't, know, I don't understand that move exactly. Um, I want to believe that it was um, pressure from the spouse, perhaps, you know, get, getting away from the royal family and the royal obligations because I, you know, don't yeah. get me wrong. You know, I, I would love to be, you know, in that, uh, class of wealth and prosperity. Um, but maybe, but maybe not, you know, in that class of power and all, everything that goes along with that, like that just, that position seems to come with it a lot of pressure for an entire lifetime that I personally would not want to deal with.
1: She just recently won a lawsuit in England, uh, uh a, uh, copyright infringement uh, lawsuit apparently a newspaper somehow got a hold of a letter that she wrote to her father I guess after the wedding and I'm, I'm a little bit vague on the details here but uh, uh, but anyway the, the, the gist of it is that she was suing them saying that these were you know her letters she had a right to the messages and and the newspaper had no right to to publish these things and, uh, and she won you know her, her lawsuit yeah. So, um, do you think you know, she would
0: have won that same suit under those same circumstances in American court, though?
1: Well, I, I don't know the law well enough, but I I don't think so because I, you know, I think that. Uh, well, but I, you know, I, I really don't know. That's a good question. I mean, if, yeah. if you're quoting somebody's uh, personal letter from another, I mean, it is freedom of the press? um secure enough to say well this is this
0: is still a true fact you know and yeah. you can't we came into this information and here's what it says that's right yeah right and if then, that's the case oh go ahead no finish your thought because i got a little tangent here
1: no yeah but i mean i i suppose that uh, things like the pentagon papers were not only one person's letter but this massive document of uh lots of people's quotes and messages back and forth about the whole Vietnam war. And I think the courts said, yeah, it's fair game because it's, uh, you know, uh, it was a, it, it, it is freedom of the press.
0: Yeah. I was going to suggest something similar in, in, um, in the whistleblower cases, right. Where, you know, corporate company documents get released out or, or military documents get released out. Right. If, if, if the military or the corporation has copyright claims to those documents, right? And the whistleblower goes like, no, no, we're, we're releasing this to the press and the press is unable to publish it because of copyright claims. Then you stifle all whistleblowing at that, at that point as well.
1: Right, right, right. Mm-hmm.
0: So going back to your, uh, Ugandan example, does mm-hmm. that then make you appreciate the Ameri- the American system more so, Um, and should we stop criticizing it so much and just be happy we have as much freedom as we do because it could be so much worse, uh, in England or Uganda.
1: Well, I think the reason that we continue to have the freedom that we do is because we keep pushing back and we keep, uh, you know, we, we don't, um, every time there's an encroachment, people are around are going to push back and that make that, that has a chilling effect on tyrants, I think, because they have to be a little more cautious about what they can get away with. So, no, I think it's it's good that we're very vocal about um, these things, um, about the coronavirus, about the masks, about uh, uh, climate change, about you know, everything. I think that it's fa- fabulous that Americans... I think uh, my favorite quote about on this line is engraved over the uh, National Archives... Uh, what is it? Um, uh, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've used that quote within the last couple of weeks. It just, it, you have, it, it's, it's required. Right. Um, so I think that it came up for me, someone was asking me like, okay, what if, what if you get your way now? Right. Like how long do you think you can, you can maintain a state of absolute anarchy? Right, and I said, in my honest opinion, you would lose it in like the second generation, right? And I go, well, how so? I go, well, because, right? You know, eternal vigilance is the price for liberty. You know, that that was my response. Um, you you have to pass that on to each generation so that they maintain that liberty, um, even in the face of a potential rising tyrant. Because I don't think that once you get to complete liberty or 100% anarchy or however you want to phrase that. Um, that the desire for control um, and the goals of you know disgruntled people don't rise to the level of no, I want to be in control of everybody. Um, so you you have to squash those people, right? However however you choose to um, before it gets to that point. And it, you know it, you know if if they take it if they take it back inch by inch, uh, I I think you lose you lose that liberty-oriented society uh, within a couple of generations. Like the the third generation, the the grandchildren, uh, won't be as vigilant or diligent in keeping those tyrants down um, because they just grew up in a world where they didn't have to worry about that too much.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Thomas Jefferson was also commenting that, you know, it is always the impulse of government to grow and to take away people's freedoms. So I mean that's 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 just the uh, the breadth of government is to grow. And so you've just constantly gotta be pushing it back, pushing it yeah. back, pushing it back.
0: And again, I go back real quick to your Ugandan example, because you mentioned the term chilling effect towards the politician. Um, I think th- uh, behavior like that by the state towards the people, asking for, you know, pushing for or asking for, or begging for more liberty uh, drives that chilling effect the other way, right? They they black bag people so that no one else steps out of line. Um, I've said the same thing about yeah. the you know the crypto six here in New Hampshire, the the six people that were arrested uh, loosely because they were running uh, a crypto exchange business, you know, con- converting cash to cryptocurrency and vice versa. Yeah, um, and I th- I think the 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 government raid. Of those six people, you know, the government raid of the Free Talk Live studio was designed to be a chilling effect for anyone else in the area engaged in cryptocurrency trading or transacting, or you know, in that marketplace at all. Right? Um, we had a, a brief discussion on Free Talk Live about it, and I was I was talking to uh, Captain Kickass, who's one of the other main hosts of Free Talk Live. Um, And his criticism, his critique was like, why aren't these other Bitcoin media outlets covering this story? And, uh, and, you know, my response was, well, number one, I don't know if they should be covering the story. Um, I get it that it's newsworthy. I don't know if it's cryptocurrency newsworthy because of that chilling effect, right? Like if if you're promoting cryptocurrency and you're trying to get more people on board with cryptocurrency as the next, you know, big thing in the financial sphere, what you don't want to point, what you don't want to point out as being the idea, is that you are going to get raided by the feds if you buy Bitcoin, um, and I think that that's you know that's part of the crypto six narrative that I think would be used by the government side. So I'm like, you don't want that out there, right? You you want it to be newsworthy, but you don't want it to be negative crypto news, even though it's true, because If the goal is more people getting into crypto, I think that this has a chilling effect that would keep a lot of those people out. And to point out more positive news or positive aspects about cryptocurrency may be the goal of these cryptocurrency news outlets, if that makes sense.
1: It does. Uh, I think you're right that most newcomers joining into something like that want something safe if they if they feel the government's going to hammer it then they, they, they want to shy away from it yeah uh, but the numbers are uh, there's strength in numbers you know the more and more people into it and it uh, of course that that breeds in, in China it means the government will always uh, chop down on anybody who who is in great numbers because they just they know that the danger of, of numbers that's why yeah. they went after Falun Gong you know
0: and that's my, that's my general feeling of, about, um, how do I want to say this? Violence in general. Um, I don't want to get into this topic here, but generally, right, like those, those who will win the fight have no reason to negotiate with you, right? They, they can skip to the violence and the threats because they know they're going to win and therefore you back down. And the only way to combat that on a large scale is to outnumber them with enough weaker people, right? That you, your sheer number of weaker individuals is now a threat to their livelihood and their life uh, being the stronger. And then they might be willing to negotiate with you because there's a chance they could lose that violent altercation.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And so when you're building this up again in, in Uganda, right? The, you know I don't know how big the liberty movement is in Uganda. I'm guessing not all that big. I'm guessing with these chilling effects... You may see people drop out, um, but you have you have to build those numbers so that the government doesn't have the opportunity to black bag people. And when they do, there's enough, you know, pushback. Whether you know, however that is, protests, um, you know, violence if it gets to that. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be accused of calling for that. But however that pushback against the, you know, the violence of the state manifests itself, it has to be in large enough numbers. So even though there's a chilling effect they have to push forward on with the ideas of freedom and liberty and get even more people on board with those ideas of freedom and liberty who are willing to push back a little bit more. Um, So at some point those ideas become overwhelming at which point, hopefully you will see the wishy-washy politicians jump in front of that parade, right? Start taking credit for it, but also moving the society or the community in that direction.
1: There's a, a role for people outside the border, too. I mean, we talk about this as if this is their problem and how to figure it out, but I think there's always a cross-border role for outsiders where we're safe from it, so we can, we can highlight, expose, uh, put pressure on from the outside, and actually it, has an, it, it can have a positive effect, not always, but a lot of times, ironically, governments that could care less about their own population become rather sensitive about their international reputation and, uh, and they, they try to cover it up or give excuses for it or even sometimes back down. And that's where uh, Amnesty International, I think, has been very effective over the years at just bringing to light things that otherwise uh, persist because they're s- quiet and silent and hidden. Uh, just exposure and international pressure can have a, can have a positive effect. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, that's why I think it's good for us to discuss this. And that's why I'm posting articles about this uh, young man, um, on, uh, international websites and stuff like that too, that, that, and who knows, maybe, uh, Amnesty International could take up his case.
0: Now, another thing, you know, going on here, um, not exactly on the same level, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully Amnesty International will take up their case. Um, one of the things you see here, uh, uh, along the lines of lack of freedom of speech or lack thereof, um, is happening right now again in the Second Amendment community, which we covered briefly again on on Free Talk Live a few days ago. Um, they uh, they are once again here. Uh, the ATF is attempting to change the definitions of certain terms, right, to make more people criminals in the United States. Um, that is not the important story. The important point that ties in with this is the fact that, you know, this is the, the ATF is a, uh, a non-elected position, right? They're just appointed bureaucrats uh, who do their own thing, but they will typically, when they're attempting to do these, you know, w- encroachments, right? Infringements on the rights of Americans, um, they will open up comments for Americans to like, let your voices be heard. What do you, what do you, the people think about these, these changes, um, and as you said, Ken, it's, it's important to let them know, right, to let them know that, you know, may, maybe enough voices in that direction, you know, against their new changes in policy are enough to provide a chilling effect where they won't go through with whatever definitional changes they're planning on it. Um, and that is a technique that has worked in the past and in the recent past for a lot oh, of yeah. things.
1: Politicians uh, are very very sensitive about public opinion polls <laughs> right.
0: but however these are not politicians these are this is just unelected bureaucrats in the ATF and for this recent change um I'm being I was I was told so if if this has changed recently forgive me this is what the news was a few days ago uh, there were no open comments for the public to voice their opinion at all like the comments the comment section on these changes were closed to the public they did not want to hear it so it was, it was going to go through um, without the public being able to voice their concerns, without the public to provide that chilling effect to let them know that, no, um, th- this is ludicrous. And, you know, we have our rights. We'll, we will fight for our rights. Uh, and then here's what we think about you trying to change those rules. And they, you know, probably after the last go round said, yeah, we're just, you know, we're not going to take public comments. We're just going to do what we want this time. And I bring that up again because that is one more encroachment, right, that moves us closer to what's going on in Uganda. We might not even be anywhere near that Ugandan, you know, dictatorship, uh, you know, black-bagging people who voice their opinions yet, um, but they're taking away one more avenue for the people to be heard.
1: Yeah, there's uh, both the slow encroachment and then there is the sudden – uh, seismic shifts that occur too—you know—all it takes is something like a nine-eleven, and then suddenly all the freedoms that you thought you had can be swept away in, in a broad panic, or with coronavirus. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, you're you're really right that uh, these things can disappear slowly or very rapidly, with and without even notice. I mean, like uh, under the guise of the Patriot Act, you know, uh, how many uh, extra freedoms were lost there yeah. and uh, coronavirus, uh, you know, national security was, uh, sh- locked down. I think mean, mean, it was amazing.
0: How, how many number of governors turned into petty tyrants overnight by, by, uh, uh, pausing the constitution or restricting the constitution because of their emergency orders, right. That overrode the constitutional rights of Americans in general and citizens of their state, uh, all for the greater good because the coronavirus is so deadly um, that constitutional uh, constitutional rights must be you know, neglected at that time because of the pandemic and the coronavirus, right? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. vast majority of governors went that route. And we're, we're suspending, that's the word I'm looking for, we're suspending the constitution uh, be- because the coronavirus is so great of a threat that we cannot deal with it and uphold the values and the, the written words of the constitution like overnight, right? Emergency executive emergency order. Number 49 B says that, you know, the governor's now in control of everything that goes on in the state. Uh, and all you petty citizens can suck it and stay inside for as long as we say you must.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I call my mom, this, this ties in. I call my mom on mother's day to say happy mother's day. Cause I'm a good son. Um, and, and, she goes, oh, so, so when are you coming to visit, you know, again? <laughs> and I go, you know, I don't even know at this point, right? Like I may, I, I may forego the money I spent on a plane ticket in 2020 because I think I have until 2022 to use it. Like they've extended it that long. Um, but I don't know if I want to. So to answer your question, right, when Hawaii gets rid of the stupid tier system of like how open we are, Right. Then maybe I'll consider it because that means I can land, not get screened, not have to take a test. I can move about freely and then I can leave prior to two weeks without being worried about being held hostage in Hawaii should a, po- a test come up positive or a false positive and I'm, you know, forced to quarantine for two weeks on my own dime at that point. Right. I go, as soon as you guys get rid of that, like maybe I'll consider coming down there. And her response was, oh, why would you do that? Like, we're about to get a tier five. I go, you see <laughs> what I'm talking about? You see? They already they already have four fucking tiers, right? And uh, she goes, no, oh, wait, wait, no, tier five is like opening up everything. I go, if that's the case, they could get rid of the whole tier system by the time you get to tier five, right? Yeah, but yeah, they're yeah. not going to because the tier system is a control mechanism, Right. And they can just add, subtract, modify tiers as, you know, at their whim. And the fact that you're stuck under this tier system all of a sudden means one day you could be tier five. The next day they could declare tier three or tier two or whatever. And, and there's nothing you can do about it because everyone there or the vast majority of people, I'm I'm sure I'm sitting with people who object to this vehemently, um, because everyone there agrees to this tier system as like the right thing to do for, you know, public health and safety. I go, ludicrous. You, you're going to have to come here. Like at that point. I'm not, I'm not going there I was under, under any tier. I don't tear fucking five. Give me a break.
1: <laughs> well, okay. I, I appreciate that, uh, the, 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 protest and the reason and, and so on. On the other hand, um, the, the hidden tax on you is, uh, a cost to your family and to uh, other parts of your life. And so, you know, you, you, you do of course recognize that. And of course, sadly, that it means that, uh, you've had to give up something, um, time with your family because you, you know, of that, uh yeah,
0: object. And I, you know, I but the risk that. is too great, it's right? There. I could get yeah. locked in Hawaii for two weeks longer than I want to be there. Yeah. And, and I would be held hostage and there's nothing I can do about it right now. Yeah. I could convince family right to come here and visit because you can get out of Hawaii. No problem. You, you, there's no chance of getting held hostage in New Hampshire if you want to leave. It's just, you know, there's no tier system. It's open. Um, the fact that it's not an Island, right. Me, means that even if you can't like fly out for whatever reason, you can drive somewhere else and you you can spend three weeks on the road crossing the country to get back to at least the West coast um, and by that time you should have a, a negative test, right? Allegedly. Uh, um, yeah. even if you were positive here, but to be stuck on an Island, no, no, forget about it. Um, <laughs> but I can't convince them to come visit me here either. Like they're just, you know, mm-hmm. they, it's, it's so dangerous there. you guys are red state and it's spreading like wildfire, <laughs> uh, whatever, you know, my, my, my dad texted me the other day, finally, like I don't text him ever. You know, he's like, "Yeah, hey, so how's this, how's it going there? Your sister just got her second shot. When are you getting yours?" I'm like, "Fucking never." <laughs> I'm fucking, "I am not a lab rat, you know." He's like, yeah. "Oh, but you know, what what about the coronavirus? I went uh got it, survived it, moved on with life." He's like, "What? You're telling me you got the corona, I think I said COVID <laughs> in the text." He's like, "What? You got the coronavirus?" I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, I never took a test, um, but there was a, you know, I was exposed by someone um, who, you know, who ended up taking a test. And turns out when, when he was in, when, he, when, I, when I was with him, he was like, it's not, it's not coronavirus. It's not, it's not COVID. And I go, How do you know? He's like, because eh, my cough isn't dry. You want to see my cough? I'll cough for you. It's not a dry cough. So it's <laughs> a totally, totally different symptom, bro. Uh, <laughs> turns out it was COVID. Um, so I got it, obviously, uh, pass it on to Em, um, who got it. She took a test and tested positive. So I, I guarantee that I got it. Um, I just never got tested. Um, and, and so I'm talking to my dad about it. It's like, oh, my God, you know, he's like dumbfounded that you can survive this thing. So, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> Most people do survive. Yeah. Understood. I
0: mean- understood. But, again, he probably watches the mainstream media news in Hawaii, right? And if you guys are on Tier 4, it can only be worse here. So who knows what's going on here? And I go like, I've been sicker, right? Like I, I probably got a mild case, but I also think my age and current health conditions, right? Like I, I lost a lot of weight, uh, in 2020. Um, I eat healthier than I have in a long time, even though it's not the healthiest diet. Like we talked about with MC earlier, I don't need marijuana to get the munchies. I just really want a fucking hot dog every once in a while. Um, but I exercised like I go to the gym, I take supplements, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm one of probably the one of the more well prepared people to get it and beat it. Um, and so I did, you know, and you know, I lost, I think for weight loss, I lost about 10 pounds through my duration of having, uh, you know, the virus. Um, and then within a week of like going like, Nope, I feel good now. Uh, I packed it all back on just real easy. And that was, you know, I didn't go to the, I lost 10 pounds not going to the gym and not working out. Right. And then I gained it all back um, within a week of being back in the gym and exercising. So I like to think it was muscle mass. I'm not willing to commit to that, (laughs) but that's what I tell myself when I look in the mirror. It
2: it could, it could have been water weight to your body when you're sick. uh,
0: Yeah. You're right. Lots of
2: resources to fight the virus. Um, But so the, the good thing is, Um, You've got uh, antibodies now. Um, So I'm not sure which one's better to have the virus or no, the vaccine or antibodies. And so I'm going to say antibodies
0: personally, That's just my general thought off the top of my head. And
2: so now if you get exposed to a variant or something, your body will probably fight it off much easier uh, than, you know, and it's possible that, uh, the vaccine helps too, but I, I don't know. I think I think we're really going to have to you know revisit this in five years and and see what happened. Right. And
0: I, again, I I say the antibodies only because um, this is the weird thing about the vaccine, right? It's like it's untested. Uh, there's no long term studies. You know, people are taking it voluntarily. It seems like uh, a libertarian wet dream, right? people should be able to take as many you know uh, experimental drugs and treatments as they want. If it's what they want to do with their life. Sure. <laughs> and then they go like, Hey, we got this vaccine. Everyone's like, every libertarian's like, don't fucking take the vaccine. It's not FDA approved. No one knows what's in it. Why would you guys do this? I go, this is what you were asking for.
2: No, I, I think it's more 50 50. There's a lot of libertarians that, that do say, you know, well, you know, trust the science and, you know, um, well, and that's well, the problem with the vaccine. Have, there's no science we, we, yet. We don't have enough science yet yeah. on it, but, but who knows? So, um but I have seen, you know, both, both sides. Of, right. From libertarians. And so. It, that's fair. I, I appreciate that. You know, I think people should look at it as, n- not as something that they're forced to do, but as something that they have a legitimate choice. Like, um and of course there's going to be others, you know, I'm surrounded by people in Hawaii that uh, say, well, you, have got to have the vaccine. And if you, if you get the vaccine, then eventually we won't have to wear masks anymore. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and (laughs) the president has said that, right. (laughs) Right. Get the vax or wear a mask or, you know, that those are your only choices. And so I was thinking, would, okay, so I'm going to throw this out there just as an idea. Um, You, you guys tell me if it's, a valid idea and if not if you can foresee uh it coming down the pike and so you have your sign outside your retail establishment no shirt no shoes no service right let's just change that right no vax no mask no service foreseeable legitimate allowable under private property rules and considerations like what do libertarians think about that sucker well
2: if if it's uh, coerced by a government then to no, know but uh, yeah if a private organization wants to do that whatever <laughs> what if it's heavily
0: um suggested by the government to a private organization to change their rules accordingly uh or change their rules accordingly to to that like you know it's oh, it's, yeah, it's not a law but loot- we really should do be doing this well it, then it still doesn't matter what okay know. Are you okay violating there, that sign? There, there are
1: ways that they could do that. Like for example, they could say, "Well, uh, schools could test this. Uh, could Could require it, um, and we're going to ensure it. Otherwise, you don't get federal funding." And in that backdoor way, they they often impose things on private institutions by because they're with one hand, they're they're offering money. That gets people to go along with something that's just a government encroachment. So th- those there are possibilities that they might do that,
0: right? And uh, and what if they do that at the college level or even lower at the high school level, where it's where it's it's mandated that students you know go to school, and they know the vast majority of people go to public institutions anyway. So it's it, you know it's it's a it's a mandatory voluntary way to vaccinate all the children. Right, because they go like, well, schools don't get the money if they don't mandate vaccines. So the schools mandate the vaccines, and the students go, well, we have no other schools to go to because that you know they can't afford the private school, and it overwhelms them. So it's it it it, it appears to be voluntary, um, but in reality, it it's more man it's insidiously mandatory. If that makes sense, yeah. So what do you do? Like, you know.
2: start your own school.
0: Understand? Okay. <laughs> So let's let's talk about that for a minute because I hear you. I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm at dinner the other night, and you know the the issue of the retail establishments comes up, right? Like you know, all these fucking stores are making us wear the mask. Like you know this is this. I think uh, I think it was described as like the failure of libertarian theory at that point because. There is not enough time um, to start your own school, to start your own retail establishment, given the current conditions, right? And if you want to do it on the legitimate level, uh, you're going to have to go through and get government permission to do that anyway. So libertarian theory sa- you know, basically says like, bah, private property, you can do what you want. And if you don't like it, start your own. And yet it's, it's nearly impossible to start your own, to compete against those with, uh, with policies you don't agree with um, under the current paradigm. Your thoughts.
1: There are schools that uh, like Hillsdale college boasts uh, nationally that they, they exist without taking any money and they don't even allow, uh, they don't accept a student who is going to depend on government money. Uh, So it's totally independent. And I I think, I think that, that, that was also the case of Buckingham University where my daughter went to school in England uh they didn't accept any government money. it was the only school in England that didn't accept any government money at all right and so well, they were uh the government left them alone and they so far as I know they were um now I suppose the government still has. You know, mandated rules like, for example, maybe Title IX that you. Oh no, that would only
0: apply if there's government funding for. Yeah, for this that, school. that doesn't apply to. It wouldn't apply to Hillsdale, yeah. as far as I know. So, so uh, again, i
1: around it, uh, but you, 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 you pay.
0: Right. Freedom. Yeah. So I, I want to say I hear you again, um, but in, in our little example, Hillsdale is already established, right? There's no like, there's no starting your own at this point, which is you know what. What the the private enterprise people would would suggest in just about any other scenario, right? Don't don't like the way they're treating you. Compete against them and take away their customers, right? Like that's I'm still claiming that's nearly impossible to begin. Luckily, Hillsdale has already been established in this regard. Um, and well, I
1: would guess I would guess that with this lockdown and since so much has gone online, that there have been a lot of uh, alternative education. Uh, you know, like homeschooling in mass and much, much greater than ever before. Yeah, uh, that has sprung up as a result of the government's uh, corona crackdown.
0: Sure, but that's that's homeschooling. You know, it's again smaller scale, online maybe. Um, I I could see something like you know the Khan Academy um, granting not diplomas or, or degrees, but like certifications in certain areas for completion. So for somehow you know if if you were to start up a homeschooling or an unschooling uh environment and you taught there like the Ron Paul curriculum I guess if you if you taught like their curriculum on a certain subject um you could then you know certify your that your students have completed that particular curriculum maybe um but again let's go back to Hillsdale just for a moment uh they they've also have uh limited capacity maybe right like if you go virtually then yeah they they could grant degrees and diplomas, you know, ad nauseum for anyone who took, took their online classes. Uh, but isn't there something to be said about them as an institution being, you know, one of two that examples that you gave, I've never heard more than two, uni- two university levels, uh, colleges in the United States having, you know, on this list of like, we don't take any government funds and we don't serve students who are taking government funds. Like, I think at one point there were two, and I've never heard examples of more than that. Uh, Is there not a limit with the amount of students that they can serve and still provide the quality education that they do? Like, I would think, you know, the more more overwhelmed they get, that that quality might diminish to an unacceptable level if they try to serve everyone um, who's trying, you know, to avoid getting a vaccine. And then, and again, there's there's not enough time necessarily for a new Hillsdale at that level, right? I got it, homeschool, unschool, spot on, uh, but there's not enough time for something at that Hillsdale level to just pop up overnight and compete, which I think is the critique of the the person I was conversing with.
1: Yeah, probably so. You know,
0: it's, okay. uh, Yeah. So is that truly a failure then, in libertarian theory then? Because that was the claim that she made.
1: Well, I think. Um for school certification as as we understand it, maybe uh the government's got lock hold on that in many ways. But yeah. education itself is is uh completely unrelated to that, not not completely much unrelated to that certification process, you know, of getting a degree. I yeah. mean ed- education is, is everywhere you seek it. Yeah. you know.
0: Well, that's why I suggested you know the, the Ron Paul curriculum or the uh, or a Khan Academy putting together some sort of curriculum and offering certifications. You know, if 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 a third party were teaching like the Khan Academy curriculum on you know mathematics and calculus or whatever, right? You wouldn't get a you wouldn't get a degree in mathematics, but you would get the Khan certification, which may be better, right? That I don't think that would take much effort uh, because they have so much knowledge available online as it is. It's just a matter of compiling that into a curriculum and certifying those who've completed it.
1: Well, like uh, University of Phoenix is is everywhere, yep. isn't it? And yep. it uh, they offer mathematics and a whole lot of degrees and so on. But I, um, well, I, I I don't really know more to say than that. I mean, it's okay. it's it's there, but but I I think that it was founded by. Uh, uh, Feinstein's husband, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure about Diane Feinstein's husband. So I, I would guess that connections with government financing, probably for government uh, for student loans or Pell okay. and, and Grant things like that. It's probably a big beneficiary of that sort of thing. So it's not not a libertarian case at all.
0: So in general, in your, in your mind, online education is the solution to not getting the vaccine or being, not being forced to get the vaccine as a student and still being able to continue or complete your education at that time at that institution.
2: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. One solution. Yeah. Well, yeah, a
0: solution, but a viable one. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, again, this, this was the complaint, um, of a person I was having, you know, dinner with, uh, something a few weeks ago, um, but I think talking it, you know, talking it through shows that it's not, in I guess, in your opinion, and I guess in my opinion as well, um, not a not a failure in libertarian theory, but just a a problem that hasn't been thought out enough to come up with ideal libertarian solutions. Because hey, this whole lockdown thing's kind of new to all of us, right? What maybe maybe this scenario wasn't considered. You know, in, in the book of libertarianism, where we solve everyone's social problems, uh, you know, requires some extra thought. And I think we, we hashed it out as sure. a solution. And I'm sure there are people much smarter than us going, ah, you guys can do it this way, too, you know. All right, yeah, you absolutely can. There is no limit uh, on market activity. As if you got the good product, you're able to bring it to market in a timely manner, and people value it, you know. You are, you are next, sir, on the list of billionaires. Anything else? Shall we do headlines?
2: Headlines. Headlines.
0: All right. Um, We got some time, so I'll read you some of these headlines. If one jumps out at you, pick it. If not, I I know where I'm I'm just going to go in the order that I would start. Uh, Headline, bad bet. Who can gamblers sue for losing money on a doped up horse? Uh, Headline, (laughs) the coming coming IRS reign of terror. Uh, Headline, tech bros next move private cities without us government control a headline when eminent domain is used for economic assassination a headline city demands grandparents pay $5,000 tickets racked up by thieves who stole their car (coughs) headline the FBI seized heirlooms coins and cash from hundreds of safe deposit boxes in Beverly Hills despite knowing some belong to honest citizens uh, headline, police officers never learn clearly established laws. That's in quotes, clearly established law. And finally, headline, cop claims, cops claim not being able to arrest people for weed smell causes spike in gun violence. Any of those jump off the page at you?
1: Well, that first one was, I mean, they're all they're all bring a chuckle. But that first one, I think. Uh,
0: Good, because that's why I put it first. Let's just do it. Uh, bad bet this is from zero hedge bad bet who can gamblers sue for losing money on a doped horse um think about that question because i'm not sure it gets answered in the article uh it's you know this came out a couple of days ago um but we'll go through we'll go through the idea and then maybe you can you know think about the question and put a stamp on the solution there as well uh into the article today bob baffert the trainer of the 2021 Kentucky Derby winner, Medina Spirit, admitted that the now disqualified horse was treated with an antifungal ointment called OtoMax, which includes beta-methasone, that is the anti-inflammatory drug found in the horse's blood after the race that led to the disqualification and the declaration of Mandaloon as the new winner. However... That means that thousands of bettors were ripped off by betting on mandaloon to win or betting on combinations of placements of the top horses. Conversely, those who collected on the long shot Medina Spirit will be allowed to keep their winnings, which leaves us wondering, is there no one for an honest gambler to sue? As may come as a surprise to some, if you lose money on a rigged game or a disqualified horse, you are not entitled to a refund. So when the 147th Kentucky Derby, people put down huge sums, not just on the winning horse, but horses to place and show. Medina Spirit was paying out 12 to one. Many people lost a lot of money and a much smaller number won a windfall. However, while the owner has to return the prize money, gamblers are told to take a ride around the trek for their troubles. The reason is that the rules of Kentucky Horse Racing Commission control and those rules mandate that bets and payments are final, despite a later showing that it was a ripoff for gamblers. Once the race is called, it can't be it can be uncalled for the horse, but not for the gamblers. I'm gonna read that again. Once the race is called, it can be uncalled for the horse, but not for the gamblers. This is not the first such case at the Kentucky Derby. In 1968, Dancer's Image won, uh, but phenylbutazone was found in the post-race urinalysis of the da- of Dancer's Image. Forward Pass was declared the winner. As a side note, this could be a novel way of rigging a windfall on betting. You do not drug your horse, but someone else's horse who is not expected to win. That horse is then disqualified after the race. If you are a bookie. You clean up on the lost bets on the horse and pay little on the dark horse. Yeah, this is me. Yeah, you think? Like this, you know, this is, this, I think that paragraph, when I read that the first time, was the reason I pulled this article. Because I was like, oh, yeah, of, of course they're going to be cheating now that that's a thing. All right, back to the article. So here is my concern. This was either negligence or intentional cheating if the rub account is accurate. Either way, the owner and the managers of Medina Spirit cost a class of gamblers millions. Why isn't any intentional or negligent act subject to lawsuit under tort? Both factual and legal causation could be claimed. If the alleged rub causation is proven, it is the but-for-cause for the loss of millions through disqualification. It does not seem particularly remote for purposes of proximate or legal causation, while one can hardly predict a win, either with the use of such drugs, this is not some attenuated chain of causation or a case where there are many intervening forces or agents. Courts could clearly rule that this is unforeseeable as a consequence, particularly in the negligent use of a rub. However, it does not seem so unforeseeable in a heavily, heavily regulated and tested industry. This is one of the primary concerns for both owners and tracks in the use of medicine or products that can transfer banned substances or result in unacceptably high levels of the substance. Courts are often faced with a reduction in the opportunity of survival or profits. There is a novel comparison that could be drawn to the tort of loss of chance in the failure to diagnose diseases. Such torts are allowed even when there is less than a 50% chance of survival. U.S. courts have found the requirement of at least a 50% survivability line to be too severe. One of the first opinions was handed down in 2008 by the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court in Matsuyama versus Birnbaum. The case involved a patient who complained about gastric gastric distress and was diagnosed as gastritis. He had gastric gastric cancer and later died. His family sued and the court ruled that the requirement of a better than 50% survivability was a view rejected by an increasing number of courts and experts. In 1983, in Herskovitz versus Group Health cooperative Puget Sounds, the court found that even a 14% reduction in the survival chances from lung cancer was actionable. Note, some English courts have proven hostile to such, such claims as Greg B. Scott, uh, 2005, where a court rejected such a claim for a man whose chances of surviving non, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was reduced from 42% to 25% due to a failure in the diagnosis of the illness. I could I have never seen such a case but it could present some novel issues for class action against the owner. Even if it is more problematic for negligence, which can arise in a myriad of ways, an intentional act, if it were ultimately proven, would seem to justify some level of recovery for those injured. Obviously, courts will be reluctant to open up the floodgates to good bets gone bad. However, this seems a far more credible claim when a gambler actually won a race, but was denied winnings due to the conduct of an owner end of the article. So like I said, it doesn't really, it doesn't really answer because the answer is not really anyone at this point. Um, so I'm going to throw out the hypothetical. If gamblers could sue, who do you th- who would you guys suggest is responsible for this loss and damages? I have a solution
1: to offer for the horse race. Please don't declare the winnings until two days after the race. Yeah. And so that by then they've got time enough to do their tests afterwards. I, I, I don't I don't understand of course there's an excitement about knowing right away, but just say, well, but winnings are not declared and issued until after the whole contest is over. And the contest is not just the race, it's also the the testing afterwards. So if they're gonna do that, then just wait.
0: Yeah. So I watch a lot of uh um dirt track auto racing, like at, at work now, um, yeah, because I have the time. Um, and you know, after, after, after the race is completed, right. The, the big thing for short dirt track racing is you have to go to the scales because your car has to weigh a certain amount at the end of the race. Right. That's, that's huh. the, that's the big cheat, right? Like if, if you short, if you short the gas in order to lose the weight and you win the race and then your car's light, uh, yeah, it's a cheat. So they go, you know, the the preliminary winner is so-and-so, right? And then they exit the track, they drive over the scales, they get the thumbs up or the thumbs down, and then the winner is declared, right? Like, you know, so-and-so passed the scales, he's your winner for the evening, right? Uh, And then if, if, you know, if he, you know, and sometimes he comes up light, like, so-and-so has come up light, you're, he has been penalized, you know, two spots, say, right, or, or however many. I, I think I don't know if that's in the rule book, but that's that's kind of how they do it. He's been penalized two spots. The winner, the actual winner of the race, is you know so and so, and your podium finishers are you know this, that, and the other. So yeah, de- delaying that announcement um, is key. The other sport, I guess, if you if you want to call it that, that I am passionately uh uh, into as a um viewer right as you know as as a as a non-participant um is mixed martial arts and the ufc fights now this one is a little bit different um potentially because they have the fight there is a winner declared in the ring right and then they like horse racing they do the drug testing now this is a one-on-one competition so you're not worried about placements and all that other stuff down the line um but what comes up in this realm is the, the person who cheated uh, his opponent, if he wins, right? You, you, you drug up, you win the fight. The person you beat is not automatically declared the winner. They call it a no contest, right? Like, oh, nobody won. He cheated, so nobody won. Mm. One of the issues that this came up that was, you know, strong in my mind um, at the time, and now that we're talking about it, was uh, Brock Lesnar's return fight, Against mark hunt uh Mark Hunt's like you know a uh, um Australian New Zealand kickboxer and Brock Lesnar's you know Brock Lesnar, if you don't know who Brock Lesnar is what the hell's wrong with you first of all uh, <laughs> he's he' is, he is way too popular in in the in the grand scheme of pop culture to to you know to to be an unknown at this point um so Brock lesnar you know was was found by you know the the drug tests to have been taking a prohibited substance right. And so they interview uh, Mark Hunt after, uh, after, after the events, and you know he's rightfully furious that it was a no contest. Um, He was he was rightfully furious that he has had so many no contests after losing to doped up fighters, right? And his (laughs) it it's happened to him like four or five times at this point. Like they fight, he loses opponent comes up, you know, having uh having been tested positive for banned substances. Um and he get, you know, he gets he, you know, he gets some solace in knowing he didn't really lose that fight. One of the things that he pointed out as far as the money is concerned, right, is that losing to all these drugged-up fighters has a negative impact on his future earnings potential because in the eyes of the viewer and the fans, right, this not a lot of people look past the the end of the fight right yeah so they don't know they don't know that it turned into a no contest 3 days later they just know that they saw mark hunt lose that fight so when he's you know looking to get booked for other fights his drawing potential right is much lower because the average fan isn't going to pay money for pay-per-view or tune in or buy merchandise for a fighter that they just saw lose four times in a row and you know Who's responsible for that loss? Can you even count that as a loss? I'm throwing that out there. I'm just, you know, getting your thoughts on that is, you know, does he have a legitimate gripe in that manner?
1: Uh, I I wouldn't know how to, I I would send it to arbitration.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But how do you even calculate, how do you calculate the potential loss of future earnings, you know, based on popularity? That might be more of a hypothetical, right, or a rhetorical question. I don't well, know.
1: It's um, a uh, an assignment for forensic economists. Uh, a, a forensic economy is uh, an economist evaluating what the alternative cost is. You know what what was the opportunity lost, and uh, so they do that sort of stuff. And uh, I don't yeah. know where to begin, but yeah, those those calculations are made in the court.
0: So and, and again, for, on the gambling side of things, since that's what this article was about, if you had bet money, right, that Mark Hunt would win um, and you lose money because the other person was cheating and it was no contest, presumably, you know, those sports bettings have uh, similar regulations to the Kentucky um, Horse Racing Commission, I guess, is that, you know, you, you see Mark Hunt lose on TV, um, you know, if, if you were betting on the, the winner, you cash your ticket. Right. If you're betting on Mark Hunt, like you, you forego those winnings. Um, and then, you know, you you drop, you know, $10,000 say on a bet. Cause yeah, gamblers do some weird things and they've bet a lot more money recently on some pretty sketchy fights. Um, but you, you put your money down and, and you lost your money as a gambler because you know, the opponent, because, because Brock Lesnar was doping. Right. Do you sue Brock Lesnar? Like, is that, is that a legitimate claim? Like Brock Lesnar cost me at least 10 grand, um, you know, to get the money back to get, to get your, not even your winnings, but at least your, your, your gamble back. Right. Should you, should you at least get that back? If you're not, you know, if you're not, if you're not going to get paid off the full, after the full gamble.
1: Well, there's another way of, of resolving these things is put the conditions into the fine print of the bet uh,
0: contract that you have to wait until the drug tests come back and it's, you know, official, official
1: or that, that, uh, yeah, or that, that it's invalidated or within the contract, um, you have the right to sue, uh, the ones who defrauded by, you know, by broke, broke the rules by, def- by fraud. You
0: know? Okay. So you're the, the, the gambling contract is basically between like the better and the house, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, in, uh, so the, the legitimate question, what incentive does the, the, does the house have to put that in the contract and how can that contract uh, have a legitimate claim? Like if you lose this bet, you should sue Brock Lesnar, say, right? Like, you know, you're betting with, uh, you know, whatever um, casino you're betting with and their contract says, we are not liable for, you know, for loss, uh, you know, due to drugging. Yeah. The the person you need to sue is Brock Lesnar. Like they can't put that in the contract. Like the the all they can do is like you can't sue us, right?
1: Yeah, presumably that would be their condition for having this horse in the race in the first place. You have to certify that this horse uh, meets the conditions for your for your race, and if and and if you're certifying it, then you're a re, uh, responsible.
0: Ah, I hear what you're saying, KS but I think that also separates the actual competition from the gambling side of things, because that could be in the contract between the promoter of the right ra- of the horse race and the owner of the horse. Right. Like if he's found doping, you lose, which is what happened. Right. But that, yeah. how, but that cannot impact an entirely separate transaction between the gambler and the house and the bookie. Yeah. So it's a little, it's, it's It's a little complex, right which is again, why I don't think the article answered the question sufficiently. Who can the gambler sue? Like your 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 loss was not caused by the house, right? All they did was take your bet, right and they, the outcome is what it is. Uh, I think the solutions you offered earlier are are valid, right? Uh, no winnings are paid out until you know until the winner is certified, however long that may take right? Like when it, when it's written in stone in the history books and the record books of lore, you know, then, 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 and only then can you pay out your winnings. Um, I hear you. Um, I just, I wonder if that solution would have a, I don't want to say chilling effect because we use that too much and it doesn't really apply here, a negative impact on people willing to gamble. Um, because I want to say that the the gambling participants um, are a little bit impulsive. Like I, I find gambling to be a, an impulsive behavior um, in a lot of ways. Like we're I, going to I, Vegas for the fights and we're laying down a bet. And then, you know, two days later, you're back in Nebraska going like, how do I cash this chip? You know, how do how do I cash this ticket? I'm not in Vegas anymore.
1: I, I think uh, it would increase the participation rate because people uh, like, to think that the game is fair if they think figure that it can be fixed or stacked against them uh, I think they're less likely to want to bet on it okay. if they feel that's why they have rules uh, against betting on um, uh, you know uh, of players betting on the game or something like that because yeah. they, they don't want to feel like it's it's a rigged game
0: and one, one anecdote when it comes to the, you know, the horse racing thing that comes to mind is, you know, like, um, th- this is totally a scam, but I just, I thought about it and then we'll wrap up here is the, the guy who like buys a horse and the horse immediately dies, right? He's like, well, you already, you already took possession of the horse. Uh, I cannot give you your money back because the horse, this, your horse has died. My horse did not die. <laughs> right? like, yeah. And so what is the, the guy's like, oh, so what are you going to do? And his friend goes well uh, we'll raffle off the horse you know so the guy raffles off the horse for like you know 50 bucks a ticket or whatever and then when he pulls the winning ticket he tells the winner like oh you're not going to believe this the horse has died and gives the guy back his 50 refunds the guy back his 50 bucks <laughs> right everyone else loses their money not knowing that they were betting on a on a dead horse um leg- legitimate scam right? Like, you know, could, could you pull that off? Mm-hmm. Seems a little sketchy to me when people don't have the, the, all the information up front. Um, and in the case of, you know, horse racing or auto racing or, or mixed martial arts fighting. Um, I think, again, I want to go back to your solution. I think it's, you know, the most viable, um, and hopefully one that increases, you know, uh, participation in the sport and, um, and gets more eyes on it uh, as far as the, you know, spectators. Um, and that's, don't certify the winnings until all testing has been done. And if that takes away from the initial excitement, um, for the, you know, the, 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 in the moment side of things, uh, you know, it's probably a valuable risk in the long run to make sure that you're putting on fair events, not only for the participants, um, but for the spectators and the gamblers as well.
1: Now it seems obvious answer to us but then why haven't they adopted it well
0: good question ks i don't know like again i, I think d-
2: the, the obvious answer is just to let them uh dope totally just let them do whatever
0: yeah i would say <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i somewhat support that in athletics because for athletics for me i want to i want to see the absolute peak of human capability right like all all these doping restrictions just means that you're not as fast, as strong as you could otherwise be um, with what I'm going to say, basically modern medicine, right? And if, if your goal is to be the peak, you know, the, the peak physical shape to win this competition, well, then you must be in the peak physical shape. And if, and if that puts a risk to your long-term health, well, then you either take that risk, right, to achieve your goal or you set lower goals for yourself that are more in alignment um with your dietary and you know injection choices.
1: For humans it's uh then their body and their their choice. Uh for horses, um, uh, you uh know, well, they don't have a say any it. They are, <laughs> they
0: are beasts of burden, KS and they always right. will be. That's right. All right. Final thoughts from either of you? Nope. Thanks. All right. That'll do it for us. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience dot com on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. Uh, I'll give you m- my personal clubhouse one more time. At riches for rich R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H. Follow me to find out when we're going live. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha. Thank you.